as your imagination run away with you, perhaps, as you listened to the scriptures this morning, did you see in your mind's eye Job girding his loins like a man? Or maybe you saw James and John cringing as the other disciples hollered at them for their lust for power, their desire to sit on high with Jesus. Yesterday morning, another image popped into my head. Pope Francis, emerging from that little gray car as President and Mrs. Obama stood on the red carpet to welcome him to the White House. What has God's word to say to us about the world and our place in it today, 2015? God speaks to Job from on high in gorgeous poetry. I could have read to you or had Jenna read the whole chapter, but we just read a portion. 38 Job is wonderful. You can read it but it puts Job in his place. Now he is a fully mature adult, loins girded, and yet he's a creature. One infinitesimal link in God's sustainable web of life. In Job's story, this play that has both angered and inspired generations we watch a good man suffer horribly through no fault of his own. We watch Job confront God with the injustice of it all. We watch God invite, indeed demand, that Job look more deeply expand his horizons to see and trust God yet more completely. We humans so want life to make sense. We want rules to live by that will always prove true. If we live by the rules, we expect reward. We, we may be willing to defer that reward to an afterlife but we want reward. We do not want to live in a world of random happenings. We do not want to think about an asteroid taking out all the dinosaurs we loved, learned to love when we were four. And so we make up stories. We say, God knew we'd need all that oil in the ground for our SUVs. And so God sent an asteroid, <laughs> or something like that. God's invitation to Job to stand before the infinite creator of all that is, including its randomness, and still trust God's steadfast love. Whoa. We do not want random. I was sitting here this morning saying, why was I so offended by random? 
Well, I'll tell you. It came to me this morning, uh, Friday, October 16th. It's an anniversary. It's the day Gene died, 12 years ago. He got a cancer randomly. We couldn't blame anything Gene did for that cancer. And then it went to his brain randomly. It's not supposed to cross the neck thing or whatever. Random. And we were angry. I hate random. We want someone to be in charge. And some of us, some of us want to be in charge. We say, we'll take on that responsibility. Now, I watched a film this week, several years old, HBO produced, called Too Big to Fail. All about the meltdown in 2008. I watched a room full of bankers and former bankers, now government officials, try to stop the meltdown. Some in the room could only see a small part of the world problem. One particular fortune, maybe their own. One corporation, maybe their own. Others had a broader view, seeing the whole web of trading relationships teetering on the edge of oblivion. But no one spoke specifically for the family with no food on the table. No one spoke for the poor. They weren't in the room. Random names the life experience of the poorest of the poor. The way a $20 bill can land in a used coffee cup one day and only pennies the next 300 days. Random. Jesus tells his disciples that he is not in charge of seats of power. He cannot dole them out as rewards to his followers. All Jesus can promise them is an invitation to join him in service. Jesus, the Son of Man, sometimes translated perfect human one, fully mature adult, came to serve and to give his life for others. Jesus tells his disciples that they too are called to serve. Now back in the 70s when I was in seminary, I absolutely hated this message. Second wave feminism was on the rise. I wanted to talk about power. I wanted no part of service, that expected role when I was supposed to put on the apron, huh? stay in the woman's place. Believe this or not, kids, it was the woman's place within the home, mm-hmm. in the kitchen, even in the church, in the kitchen, in the world, in the kitchen. Liberation theology fueled my heart. And I wasn't sure about the gun and the gorillas and the all of that, but liberation theology. So what kind of service did Jesus advocate? How did his first hearers hear Jesus? The Pharisees, the Zealots, 
fishermen, the tax collector, the women, both the Marys and the Marthas? How did they hear Jesus' word, and how are we to hear it, all of us, different as we are? Seven years after the big recession, our world continues to be peopled with corporations too big to fail. There are still men and women wearing power suits, making decisions in rooms sealed tightly against the voice of the poor. How are we to hear this call to serve? What is a Christian to do, to be, living in the world today? Our liturgy reminds us every Sunday that we are the body of Christ. When we hear those words, let us hear them echoing all around the world, for they do. The Eucharist is celebrated in every country on earth, all hearing these words, you are the body of Christ. Sometimes we hear those words and are paralyzed, thinking we must do everything as Jesus' singular hands and feet. But in truth, we are called to join hands with all the other parts of the body of Christ to share the burden of care and of justice-making. This weekend is also a celebration of World Food Day, October 16, 1945. The UN established the Food and Agricultural Organization and this World Food Day is celebrated all over the world by millions of people. On my travels during this last decade, I've been astounded at how important the United Nations is everywhere else but here. In the United States, we tend to ignore the United Nations or tolerate it, maybe damn it with faint praise, or claim responsibility for any good it might do because we contribute a large portion of its budget. But other countries are thrilled to find a way to the power to do some good through its organizations and its cooperating channels. Now in 1945, the world was in recovery from years of devastating war. Farmers had not been growing crops, but fighting each other and dying or recovering from their injuries. There was literally not enough food to feed all the people. Ever since that time, meetings under UN auspices have challenged the human community to find ways to produce sufficient food to feed an ever-increasing population and to distribute that food so that all might have enough to eat. Jesus calls us to love our neighbors as ourselves. In terms of World Food Day, that means to feed ourselves sufficiently and ensure that others are also fed. Now that sounds simple, and yet how much ink has been spilled in so many reports year after year on the plight 
of the poor among us, those who do not have enough food to feed their families. What has the word of God to say to us about that? Here at 7th Avenue, we gather food in the food bank barrel out in the narthex to give to the feeding ministries throughout the city. And we've done that for years. We learned from the paper that the number of homeless, the poorest of the poor, is a constant in San Francisco. And sometimes this can make us mad. We create housing and feeding programs for the ones we have counted, and still the number stays the same. Some in our city would build a wall, perhaps, or maybe just close down the Greyhound bus station. But then there's this other scripture passage where Jesus says, the poor you will have with you always. There will be no end of sharing our plenty with the poor who have not enough. Serving means to share our very selves the way Jesus did and do so with joyful laughter. And we practice this sharing every Sunday around this table here and that table in the social hall. My feminist heart has been challenged to learn that putting on my apron and baking a batch of chocolate chip cookies or maybe a dozen brownies in joyful service to this community will not betray my call to stand here on occasion from time to time. As Alba Anthony said long ago, such a choice is one part of the realm of God entering the world, one way to feed the hungry. For me, it is also important that we make other choices, become active in our city, our state, and our nation as citizens. To serve also means to type letters that hold our representatives responsible for how our community makes sure that all the hungry are fed. We are not solely in charge, and we do not fully comprehend the web of life of which we are a part. Random still haunts us. But God tells us, my love endures forever. My love for you and for all my children. Jesus tells us to be part of the loving energy set free in the world, in his birth, his death, and his rising. Jesus tells us to serve, sometimes wearing an apron, sometimes writing a check, sometimes speaking up for the voiceless, and sometimes thinking up a really cool symbol and driving up to the White House in a little gray fiat. Jesus tells us to risk our lives for others. Amen.